you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And just begin to call on the name of Jesus this morning because he's the only one that can make a way for you. Come on, give him glory and praise if he's made a way for you. If he's ever touched you, if he's ever opened a door that was closed shut, if he's ever shut a door that was closed tight, you ought to praise him for a moment this morning. Come on, lift up your voice in that worship to him right now. He made a way for us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Lord in the house today. I wish I could hear an amen back. I feel the presence of the Lord here today. His presence is here. Hebrews chapter 2. You have your Bibles and would turn with us this morning. Hebrews chapter 2. And I'll be reading, beginning with the first verse of Hebrews chapter 2. I connect my remarks with all those who have already welcomed our guests this morning. God bless you and thank you so much for being here on this Sunday morning. I pray the presence of the Lord has already touched you and that the Word of God will speak to your spirit this morning. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. I want you just to read this aloud with me, this first, just at least this first stanza of the this first verse of Hebrews chapter 2. Would you just read that aloud with me now? Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. By the help of the Lord, I just want to speak for a little while this morning. I'll try not to be lengthy with my remarks because I would believe in my spirit today that the Lord wants to do something special in somebody's life this morning. 
Would it be incredible if somebody came in this morning and would leave with a difference in their home, in their family, in their personal life? All things are possible this morning. God, help us to speak what you've laid upon my heart today and to let the Word of God accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it. I pray this morning, Lord, for every, every spirit, every stronghold that would come against what you want to do this morning, that it would be brought down. And God, that faith would increase and arise in the house and that your word may influence us, Lord, so deeply in our spirits. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a few moments this morning. Give the most earnest heed, the writer declares. Give the more earnest heed. I, I was just reflecting a little bit yesterday in my preparation for this morning, and I was thinking how nice it used to be back before the building project started. My wife and I actually used to have some time. And um, one of the things we're, we're kind of, we, we may, may be a little uh, untraditional, but something that we really enjoy doing is my wife and I would enjoy just getting in the car and, and we drive through the countryside. We drive through the city and drive through the country, drive through all the little bergs in, in our county and just around the area. We just, we just drive around. We weren't really on any kind of a mission, perhaps. We, it was more that we'd kind of enjoy driving around looking at houses. And we, we, that's really what we would do. We would drive around and look at homes and uh, not, you know, I didn't go up and knock on people's door now. Don't, don't get me wrong. I didn't go invite myself in. Um, but we, we would just drive around and just see uh, people's landscaping and, and, uh, and in a non-judgmental way, of course. But we, were, we would drive around and look at homes and, and uh, we, we just, it was kind of a little relaxing thing that we would do. We haven't done that in a while. I, I guess since we've started the building project, those those things have come to an end. Um, if we have any spare time, we, we actually try to like mow our own grass and clean our own house. Um, one thing I noticed in this area, uh, there are many, many homes, of course, this, this area primarily was built up from the 1880s through the 1930s, and so during that 15-year, 50-year uh, space of time, most of the older homes around this area were built and um, and some of them wow I could I, I look at a home and I see the condition it's in now and I often look and imagine what that place must have looked like in its original state and I, I try to envision it and see the way it used to look but it's some of them it takes a lot of creativity because they've been They've, they've been allowed to, to decline. They've been neglected. Um, there's certain houses that, that I've had interest in for a very, very long time, uh, not interest to buy. I don't want another project in my lifetime. I've, I've decided that. Um, but I have interest in, I watched the home, and, and they were once so spectacular, so amazing, so beautiful, but the owners have ignored them. Maybe because of finances, maybe um, because the path that they chose to take in life maybe was 
different. Maybe their maybe their goals were different. I don't know, but but they have neglected it, ignored it, didn't pay attention to what was happening, and they were allow, They've allowed the elements to wreak havoc on the overall condition of the home. And I was thinking about this yesterday as I was just contemplating this text today because this text admonishes us to give the more earnest heed. I want you just to say that with me. Give the more earnest heed. just want you to get that. I want you to kind of get those words kind of cultivating in your mind here this morning. That what it, what it really means is, is to pay very close attention. As a matter of fact, it, it's, it's laying out the idea that the more earnest, by giving the more earnest heed, it is saying that perhaps there is an option in where you're going to pay attention. So it's not telling us, you know, don't, don't pay attention to your, to your finances, for the Scripture says that we ought to be diligent and that a man ought to work and that we ought to have a good reputation and we ought to pay our bills and our taxes. But it's not saying don't pay attention to your home and your family because the Bible gives us very explicit detail of the kind of attention that we need to pay to, to our, our family relationships and the responsibilities that we have with our children and our family. So it's not neglecting that. But the writer here is saying, but when you are comparing, you need to pay the more earnest heed. It is saying, spend a little more time and put specific attention on the things that you have been taught. I got to thinking about this. Lest. If we're not careful, we will allow them to, to slip because we are not paying close attention. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them, pay attention. Give them more earnest heed. Some things are simply too important to ignore. We have to give the more earnest heed to these things. Pay more attention in certain areas because if you're not careful, you can put your attention in the wrong place and it can end up in total destruction of what's more important. Now see... Brother Mark Blodgett back here. I knew, Brother Mark, that someday the opportunity was going to arise for me to talk about your father's barn. I, I helped Brother Mark. Uh, I don't know, maybe I was helping Sister Marna, actually. I helped him take down a barn uh, that his father um, had filled with many uh, interesting items. But this barn, very large barn, I, 
would suppose this barn was probably built. I don't recall all the details. I should have called you, Brother Mark, and got the details from you. I'm guessing probably this barn was built somewhere in the late 1800s, I would suppose. And um, it actually was a pretty magnificent barn back in its day. It was, it was built by hand-hewn timbers. You could see the, the, uh, the axe marks in the, in the wood where they actually had chopped it and uh, hand-drilled, and it was put together with wooden pegs. And so they lapped this lumber together and would put these big giant wooden pegs between it, and it was built to withstand. I mean, we get straight-line winds here in Indiana. There's a lot. This, this barn had withstood a lot. We think we do it better today, but sometimes I wonder. So for, for many years, nearly 150 years, this barn had stood and uh, had one time, without a doubt, been, been used for livestock was really the, the, the purpose of this barn. But uh, Brother Mark's father, those of you that knew Mr. Blodgett uh, very well, he was, um, he, was, he was very good at repurposing things. Um, he, he, he was, let's, we're going to call him a collector of many things. And um, so he collected a lot. And uh, Brother Mark, during the process, shared a lot of stories with me. He would go to auctions, and he would go to wherever, and he would buy things. And uh, some of the things he would buy, you know, Brother Mark just kind of shrugged his shoulders, said, I have no idea why he bought that. But he had some neat and interesting things, too. But inside this barn that we were taken down, we were taken it down because the, the elements had done destructive terminal things to it. And it actually, the barn just kind of had, had, uh, had just kind of laid down, if you please. And uh, it didn't go far down because I'm telling you, a, a mouse couldn't pack more things in that barn. So to say a barn fell would be inaccurate. All it did was just kind of rested. And then Brother Mark was left the job of taking this down and cleaning it up. And so he called on some assistance. And so I was able to go out and help him. And so, of course, we didn't just go in and just start throwing things away because he said there's some things in here. I don't even know what all's in here. We're going to go through it. And we're going to see what's in here. And we're going to, to kind of look through and, and uh, want to take our time going through not to destroy anything. And so... Really, the destruction of the barn was because that the shingles on, on the roof had just decayed. And after a while, the water began to leak in through the roof. And uh, before long, that water will begin the process of rotting and decaying. Until eventually, the barn got tired and laid down. So we're cleaning through and mountains of, I, of items and things we're pulling out. And we get right in the center, kind of in the heart of this thing, which probably meant it was one of the first things perhaps that was stored in this barn. We run into something and it was rather heavy and I start cleaning out around it and there's a pallet, not one pallet, but two, three, four, many pallets of brand new, unused, Never opened, 
shingles. And while we scratched our head and looked, and Brother Mark said, I, I guess he just never got around to putting them on. But the sad picture here is that paying real close attention to the fact that everything that was needed to save the barn was inside the barn. Either it was overlooked that what was needed was there or maybe the condition was completely overlooked until it was too late. I want you to understand this morning that some things in your life are too important to ignore. Because if you're not careful, you will let some foundational, structural things in your spiritual walk decay. Because you are paying attention to all the wrong things. Because you can collect all the cool and neat items that you want. They will be destroyed with the barn. Because we neglect to apply what we already have. The writer here is telling the church. He's speaking to the church. And he is saying, give the more earnest heed to the more important things in your life. Bishop Tom Fred Tenney said it like this, keep the main thing the main thing. Pay attention to the things that are really important. We can get caught up with all the other elements of life and things of life and neglect the things that are really important and in the end be lost. Lose our family. Lose our marriage. Lose our prayer life. Oh, 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 oh. Lose our walk with God. Because we get caught up in everything else in life. Before I come to this pulpit and stand here to preach to you, I have some other things I first have to take a look at. Because before I'm a preacher, I got to be a child of God. Give the more earnest heed. Pay more attention. Pay specific attention. Pay certain attention to the particular things that are important in your life. Brother Jordan, I, I look over these things. Pastor, I, I pay attention. I, I, I know this is the point. Everything that God created, He created to progress. Without progression, the work of God 
would never exist. The, the way God designed everything, everything in the earth, the world. He did not create the world to run in neutral. He created it to move in progress. The moon dictates tides. The orbit and tilt of the earth dictates seasons. In the beginning when God created, God liked everything that He made in humanity, in mankind. He made us not to idle our way through life, but He made mankind to thrive in an environment of progress. You can look at every pattern in the Old Testament. Go to the tabernacle, for instance. The tabernacle, you didn't just walk in and everything you need be there, but you had to come by way of the altar and the laver of water. You had to go by every post and every place. There was constant movement when the priest came in with the blood that was to be applied in all the different areas of the Old Testament tabernacle. They came in and they had to be moving. As a matter of fact, the blood itself had to be held in a vessel that could not be set down. It had a coned bottom because it could not be set down. It had to be set to where it would fall over and spill out because it was not to be set down and had to be moved because if not, the blood would coagulate. And so therefore, they had to keep it moving and the priest had to keep moving and everything had to be in movement. Everything that God created, He created to be in movement, in motion. That's why a stagnant church will never survive. We've got to be in movement. We've got to have momentum. We've got to keep moving. We've got to keep. That's why, well, I was saved, sanctified, and set free. I'm on my way to heaven. All i got to do is show up and sit down in a pew. That's wrong. You've got to keep moving forward because he saved you to do a work. You've got to be about the master's business. You've got to keep moving. You've got to give the more earnest heed to the things that you have been taught. There is work to do. There are things to accomplish. There are Bible studies to teach and prayers to be prayed people to reach as a matter of fact humanity thrives in an environment of progress we don't do well in stagnant settings God didn't save you to coast your way to the pearly gates pastor I think I'm doing pretty good you know I've had this happen and that happen Here's, let me just give you a little ex scriptural example in 2 Peter the first chapter verses 5 through 9 he says an add to your faith everybody say add add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance everybody say add movement yeah, you got to add, you got to keep, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, gallons. In other words, when does this thing end? It doesn't until he says, well done. But between here and there, there's got to be motion in your life and progress in your life. you got to pay attention to things in your life. And then there's some things he says, give the more earnest heed there. Can I preach a few moments this morning about some things that are very important in our life? We have to give earnest heed to the doctrine. We've got to give an earnest heed to our prayer life. We have to give earnest heed to our faithfulness. Somebody said this morning, well, if I did what I felt like doing, I would have stayed at home, but I have an obligation. i got to get up and go. And some folks would say, well, they should have just stayed home. Wrong. Because if we stayed home every time we felt like staying home, hello, you got to be faithful. 
in all things in your life. Faithful to the house of God. How many of you get up and go to work on days you don't feel like it? Because you know there's a consequence if you don't. But yet we treat the things of God like, oh well, it can, you know. We got to be faithful. We got to give earnest heed. If my spiritual life, everything in this life is not about my house, my car, my land, my money. It's about preparation for eternal life. Then I would say that may be more important in my life than anything else. I want to give the more earnest heed. Nobody wants to preach with me this morning. You got to give the more earnest heed. There's some things that are more important. Every now and then we all need a little vacation. I got to take one here about two or three weeks ago. I went down to Texas for four days. It, I left, it was 88 degrees. I got home, it was 24. I got home, said I need a vacation. <laughs> it's good. Got to get away once in a while. Got to think about retirement once in a while. I might, you know, I might want to enjoy the fruits of my labor somewhere down the road. That's good. I enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy going out. That's good. That's good. I I like to go to the lake once in a while. I'm feeling it now. That's good. That's good. You see about my finances, make sure my creditors think well of me, that I'm paying my bills. That's good. That's good. I got friends. I need to visit them once in a while. Pay a phone call to them once in a while. Connect with them once in a while. That's, that's good. That's good. But the most important thing in my life, I got to be saved. I had to learn to prioritize some things in my life. And if something that is intended to be a peripheral, a blessing, a benefit, but is not important to my salvation, I need to make sure I keep my priorities straight and give the more earnest heed to what's going to get me saved and keep me saved. What's going to get my family saved and keep my family saved. I've got to give the more earnest heed to the right things. I've got to put the right things in the right perspective. God never created the world to run in neutral. He didn't create your life to run in neutral. You can't idle your way through life. You have to wake up and pay attention. And know that there's some things I've got to pay attention to. You ever have a real busy day and you have to prioritize your day? My world is full of that. I have to prioritize what is it that I need to do and what is it that I want to do. And I have to create a list. If I can get all these things done, then I may be able to enjoy the benefits here. But I've got to prioritize because I've got to do the main things first. I've got to keep adding to my life. Well, I came to church and I heard a message. Now, what, what, why do I need to go to the altar? Why do I need to... Come pray at the conclusion. Why do I need to respond to the preaching? What, what, why is that important? What, why is it important? I was here this week. Why is it important that I come back next week? Why, why, why are these things important? Because they are. And the more important things in your life is what you need to be paying attention to. 
God's desire is for living things to grow. Strong things become stronger. Good things become better. Let's take a biblical view of marriage for a minute. Can I do that? Am I saved? Genesis 2 and 15. And the Lord God took man. Everybody say he took man. And put him in the Garden of Eden. To dress it. And to keep it. Whoa. God took man. Who was that man? And he put him where? In the Garden of Eden. What was that? Paradise. Perfect environment created by God himself. God takes perfect man. You ladies look at your husbands and go ahead and tell them God made a perfect man once. Mm -hmm. He did. God took perfect man, put perfect man in perfect environment, and he put him in the Garden of Eden, but he told him you got to do something with perfect man in perfect environment. you got to do something with all this perfection. What did he say do with it? Dress it and keep it. Dress it means cultivate it. Mm. Well, it's perfect. Why, you, man's going to mess it up. No, you're not. God said, I put you in a perfect environment, but I'm giving you the ability to make it better. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but somebody in here thinks you're going to get in your marriage relationship and you're marrying that perfect man, you're going to have to make him better. That perfect model for a bride, you've got to make her better. You've got to work on it. God took perfect man, perfect woman, perfect environment, and he said dress it and keep it. Oh, by the way, keep it means... Is, is referring to hedging it about, building a fence around it, and protecting it. Oh my, nobody going to help me preach this morning. Perfect man, perfect environment, work on it, make it better, build a fence around it and protect it. Because even in perfection, there's an enemy that would like to come in and destroy it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, give them more earnest heed. God put perfect man in there and he said cultivate it, keep it, guard it, protect it, cause it to be better because the more earnest attention must be kept on things that are important. If it's going to reach its full potential, you're going to have to work on it. Mm, can I help somebody this morning? God made a perfect church. I didn't say this is a perfect church. I said God made a perfect church because it was designed by him. It was like the Garden of Eden. It was made to be to put man back in right relationship with God. And he put people, he put imperfect people in his church. And he said, now, there's work to be done. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, well, I feel like I'm not important in the church. You are. What is it I need to do? Cultivate it. Protect it. Cultivate it and protect it. Cultivate it and protect it. Mm -mm, you're not talking about my church. Cultivate it and protect it. Work on it. Work in it. Make it better. 
Well, I don't like this about the church. Change it. Fix it. Don't tear it down. Don't destroy it. Don't run out of it. Mm, ain't nobody going to help the preacher this morning. God's saying give the more earnest heed. you got some work to be done. There's some things you got to do. you got to get involved in what God is doing. That's what the pastor's calling you this morning. Don't be one that comes into the church and says, well, I made my membership here and I count my, you know, I, that's, that's home for me. That's where, that's where I'm going. No, there's work to be done in the church. Every member of the church ought to be cultivating and keeping it. You ought to be working in the church and you ought to be making it better and you ought to be protecting it and you ought to be praying for it and you ought to be faithful to it and you ought to be supporting it and you ought to be praying for it and you ought to be working in it and you ought to be growing it. I got to close. A couple things I want you to look at when it comes to things that get destroyed but not paying attention. First of all, there's two types of destruction. First, there's active destruction. Active destruction, you know what active destruction is. In the physical body, you know, I don't have to go through all this with you. You know what's, what will destroy the physical body. Drugs, alcohol, smoking, overeating. Oh, me, Jesus. Too much risk-taking. Eventually, you'll lose in a game of chance. That's why I don't jump out of airplanes. Y'all go ahead. I know y'all think it's fun. I'm going to pray. Keep praying. Jesus. I'm like that guy that said I tried exercising once, but it made me so tired. <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to be physically fit, but man, that, whew. I tried lifting weights once. Those things were heavy. <laughs> you got to give them more earnest heed to what's important. A church that just shows up and leaves and doesn't exercise its faith. A church that doesn't pray and fast. A church that doesn't worship. A church that doesn't deem the word of God as important. It'll die. There's active emotional destruction. You know things that'll destroy your emotions. Negative, negativeism. You, you, if all you hear is negative conversations, it, it'll 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 work on your mind. You get hurt over something, turn bitter about it. It will destroy your health. You tolerate depression long enough, it will break you down. You got to take. You got to be proactive with it. You got to say, oh, "I'm not doing this." That's why people who battle addictions like drug and alcohol addictions, nicotine addictions, you, there has to be a click in their mind that they understand. I'm killing my own self. I got to make some changes. I got to get some things together. I got to give more honest heed to the right things. So you got. So there's there's active destruction. You know, things that will destroy the church. Get on social media and talk about how bad the church is and 
throw little innuendos out there and then go and invite somebody to it. I don't want to go to a church that's you've been tearing down. And watch your life fall apart and you tell people, hey, come, come, come be like me. So there's active destruction. But then, this is where I really wanted to get to, there's passive destruction. Because it's a silent killer. Passive destruction. The principle is if we neglect something long enough, it won't go away. And some people live like that. There's a problem, they feel like if they ignore it, it'll go away. People will most of the time. But problems don't. That's why as much as we hate conflict and confrontation, every now and then you got to deal with a problem. Because if not, your passivity can lead to destruction. You neglect your house, it will decay. I, I had my house painted. I have to have that done about every six or seven years. I'm glad they make that 30-year paint. They said it was the contractor. I've tried several of them, tried doing it myself. I'm going to try my brother-in-law next. It's going to be his fault. I'm going to get a warranty, 20-year warranty from him. I had my house painted about two years past. That big old flake spot started coming off where they didn't scrape it good. It started coming off. My insurance company called me. That's right. Insurance company called me. You got to get your house painted. We're going to cancel your insurance. What? Just had it painted two years ago. Well, we did an inspection. We came by your house. We saw paint was flaking off. I'm giving you six months to get your house painted, or we're going to drop your house insurance. Wow. Okie dokie. So they sent me all sorts of things through the mail explaining to me what happens when houses need painted and how it works to the deterioration process. It's because it costs them something. The principle is, is if we neglect something long enough, it will end up destroyed. You neglect your marriage long enough. You neglect your friends long enough. You'll talk about the friends you used to have. You ignore your church long enough, you'll talk about the church that used to be. You neglect your salvation long enough. Mm. That's why I don't subscribe to the once saved, always saved doctrine. The scripture said if we build again the things we once destroyed, we become a transgressor. And the way of a transgressor is hard. How shall we, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Do you understand what God has gifted us with and blessed us with? I'm closing this morning. You can come and give them hope. Our salvation is our responsibility. We can't afford to neglect it. If we're just living life, but we're not saved, if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not given your life over to the Lord, if there has not been a definite change in your life to where you are beginning to walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, I suggest today that you give the more earnest heed to what the preacher's been preaching this morning because it will save you and it will save your family and save your future.
The blessings of serving God is more just in eternal life. We want to talk about eternal life, but there's blessings in the here and now. I'm so blessed this morning. I don't have a perfect family, but I'm blessed this morning to be here and look around. And I've got my sons here and my in-laws here and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and nieces and nephews. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. I've got friends all over this house. Thank God for the church. Because without the church, I may be having to visit them in a courtroom. visit them in an ER because of drug overdose. Give the more earnest heed to things that are more important. Maybe that's why the writer says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What's important in your life? Were the things that maybe used to be important, are they still as important as they used to be? Or have we neglected things? I just want to throw some questions out for you to ponder this morning. What about your prayer life? Have you neglected your prayer life? What about your life of righteousness and separation? Have you neglected your life of righteousness? Does, Does what you do and say not matter anymore? Are you just walking your own way saying it really doesn't matter? I want to give the more earnest heed. What about my life of worship and dedication to God and to His house? What about my work and obligation to ministry of reaching the lost and reaching my family and testifying of the goodness of God and letting people see example in me and leading them to the cross? How about my faithfulness in, in all things? But am I giving the earnest heed to to the right things am I am I being proactive the issue with neglect is that there's no escaping the tragedy that will be at the end of neglect God has given us wonderful opportunities he's placed us in a good church not a perfect church but a good church he's given us good friends and good fellowship and whether I'm your favorite preacher or not, we have enough good preachers that come through and preach as evangelists and other preachers that are part of this church to stand in this pulpit and preach. Good preachers. There's enough good preaching that comes through this pulpit to save the world. A good music program. They do all sorts of different songs and styles and types. There's, it, didn't, it doesn't matter so much what we like, but are we worshiping Him and... Paul told Timothy, neglect not the gift that is in you. God's put some gifts in some of you. You can do what nobody else can do. God's put some gifts in you. There are people in our community that need to be reached with this gospel. And you know who they are. I may not even know them. Your neighbor may not even know them. I don't want you to stand before God and God say, did you tell them? Did you reach to them? Did you invite them? Did you lead them to the foot of the cross neglect not the gift Paul
Paul told Timothy, the young preacher, don't, there's a gift God's put in you. And I believe that this morning, every one of you. There is a gift that, that God has put in you. Some of you, more gifts than others. And you've got to understand that to whom much is given, much is required. I want to give the more earnest heed. Stand with me this morning as I close. I want to give you an opportunity to pray this morning. I'm going to open these altars and I don't know, I maybe have blundered and maybe not did a great job articulating my heart this morning. Hopefully through through my simple words that you have gotten what the Lord is wanting to speak to the church this morning. But maybe you're here today and you know my attention maybe has been on some of the wrong things. I've been given a lot of detail to this, to that, or to the other when Really, the main thing is glaring in my face while you preach this morning, Pastor, and I recognize that I need to give the more earnest heed to the right things in my life. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all around the room. Nobody's looking around. I want to make this as easy as possible for you today. I I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I want to give you an opportunity as they begin to sing in the background this morning. I open these altars. If you'd like to just step out from where you are and come to the front today. And just say, I'm coming. God bless these that are already moving this morning. Maybe you'd like to just come today and just say, God, I'm coming to give the more earnest heed. God, I've let some, I've let my prayer life slip. I've, I've let my faithfulness slip. Let my church attendance slip. I want to give the more earnest heed. I ask our prayer warriors and labors and altar workers to be responsive this morning. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Come on now, make it personal. You and the Lord right now. Commit it to God. Lord, here I am. I'm reevaluating this morning. I'm resetting. Starting over this morning. going to be at the center of my life. I'm giving the more earnest heed to the things that are important. Oh, yes. That's what I'll be. I will be what you've called me to be. I'll say a moment of soul searching this morning would you just ask yourself God am I where I need to be in you come on let's just turn this whole house into a prayer room turn the whole house into a prayer room for just a few moments here I am coming to you today God Lord